0: A couple of little things that, uh, to begin. Um, first of all, uh, a few uh, people have asked me today or referred to, um, or just as um, was being said, that uh, my day long in June is going to be the last uh, event that I do here at Spirit Rock for the foreseeable future. Um, during the time I was away in uh, the winter in, uh, in Thailand, um, uh, Ajahn Sumaito, who was the, uh, the abbot of Amravati Monastery, the one who was appearing in that stir- story earlier on. <laughs> so he, he uh, was uh, the first abbot of the Western Monastery in Thailand back in the early 70s. Then he came to England, founded the first monastery in, in England, in, uh, in London, and then um, uh, the first one out in the countryside, Chidhurst, and then Amravati Monastery 25 years ago. So he's kind of tired of running monasteries (laughs) and uh, is aiming to, uh, or has declared he's going to retire. And so he asked me if I would take over as abbot of Amaravati Monastery Um, in England. And um, so that that all got talked through and agreed upon during the uh, early part of this year. So the plan is that I'll move there in July, the beginning of our summer retreat se- season, and uh, I will no longer be the co-abbot of Abhayagiri. So that'll be my uh, swan. The, the, that event in June will be the the swan song, <laughs> and uh, as it were, and uh, so um, that uh, uh, that's obviously put a. A few waves through the through our system. Uh, I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> it was a big surprise to me, uh, but uh, uh, I'm very happy to take that that uh, on. Um, particularly because uh, the Lumpur Somato has given his entire life to helping other people, and if it wasn't for for him, uh, Jack Cornfield would never have uh, spent much time at what uh, uh, Wat Bapong and. Most of our monastic community, all the nuns and monks, most of us would never have come through the door in the first place. So a a huge amount of what you see and what you've been part of uh, wouldn't have been available if if this uh, um, one person hadn't had the resolve and dedication to to go forth and and practice. Um, And uh, so he's given uh, 40 years of his his life to teaching others, and I think it's, it's... Jolly fair <laughs> for him to be given some time to to uh, uh be uh be by himself and to be a free agent, so that's what he's planning to do has no uh, specific future uh fixed in place uh, he's aiming to stay on in England will overlap for about three months and then he'll take off um, for uh for Thailand in initially and then uh, Long term is undefined very happily undefined <laughs> so I'm, I'm very glad to be able to give him that opportunity to uh, let go of the reins at, uh, at Amravati and uh, <laughs> to uh, take on that it's a it's a, a bit of a it's a big horse to ride it's a resident community of about sixty people no. and uh, so it's a it's a bit of an operation but uh, I have a big appetite. <laughs> and I, I grew up riding horses, so I, I can, should be able to, to give it a go anyway. I'm um, going back to the, the, the theme of the day. Um, just to reiterate, uh, uh, someone was just uh, encouraging me to reiterate some of the, the particular theme of this, uh, or, or the details this morning about uh, conceptual proliferation and, uh, and the whole process of the mind running away to to go over that um, what's called papancha uh, or conceptual proliferation, how that how that happens. Uh, to begin with, uh, the the main teaching on this that you you can find is in the middle length discourses, the Majjhima Nikaya, su- uh, Sutta number eighteen. It's called the Madupindika Sutta, means the sweet morsel or the honey ball, and uh, the the sequence is, first of all, there's sense contact. We, we hear something or we think something. Uh, you know, a thought floats to mind or we, we smell something or there's a physical sensation. There's a sense contact, <coughs> first of all. And contact leads to a feeling. And feeling is not the emotion, but more like the, the raw uh, attraction of the pleasant, the repulsion of the, the, uh, uh, the painful or a neutral feeling. So then feeling... Uh, then leads to sanya, and sanya is that word that's related to sign or designation, it's the naming of that, uh, like, hmm, that uh, smells like um, incense, or it it's smells like a, oh, lily, or it might be a, a cider, oh, red, or, or, you know, or a sound, oh, A sharp, <laughs> whatever it might be, As a, that's the, the naming of the, of the perception. Then sanya leads into vitaka, which is thinking. So then, then so, oh, that sounds like an A-sharp or um, that's a really ugly red. <laughs> that's an initial thought, just a, a brief con- conceptual framing of the experience. And then vitaka leads on to conceptual prol- proliferation. Like, why do they use that ghastly red? I don't like that. Yeah. Should, they should consult proper people before. They, well, <laughs> this is papancha. So um, that is uh, uh, where the mind starts to run and uh, get carried away with itself. I was just told that, that in Gujarati, prapancha also means a contortion or um, cunning, the way that things get distorted. is also a very uh, uh, helpful way of describing it. It's like distorted thinking, um, that kind of on-flowing, ongoing chattering. And then as Papancha uh, blossoms in its fullness, <laughs> then that's where the, uh, it, anyway, it, strength, it strengthens into a sense of me here uh, in, in a separate state from the world out there. And that can be the world of a conceptual past or an imagined future, but uh, an, a separate subject here and the object out there and a sense of stress, stress or tension or pressure between those, either longing for something you haven't got or... Uh, irritation with something that's painful or or, or whatever, but it's uh, when it f- blossoms into its full strength, and the that the, the um, that's called in Pali, papancha sanya sankha, which is the um, uh, the full range of conceptions and notions uh, characterized by proliferation that beset the heart, that kind of pressurize the heart and me in a state of tension with the world that experience so just to spell that out again so knowing those different stages so contact feeling uh, perception thinking conceptual proliferation and then the um, the quality of of pressure pressurized pressurized alienation that the, the mind obsessed and pressured by conceptions and notions that's the the more familiar we get with that then the more we can trace that back to its its origins. Uh, the, um, also, another of the, the themes I was touching on earlier is the difference between reacting and responding. And so uh, hopefully with the, of some of these meditation exercises or the walking and the sitting, and using this, this uh, both the tracing the, the things back to the source, tracing the energy or the radiance of the mind back to its origin. Or um, working with the emotion in the body, kind of tracing that back, uh, so letting that, uh, seeing where that comes from, and seeing how that, that blows up and can also fade away. That these exercises are aiming to, to create more of a sense or, a, or really generate the quality of spaciousness around an emotion, spaciousness around a feeling, uh, creating a, a, an environment of. of um, uh, non entanglement, really, so that there's a context when we, when there's an emotional state within ourselves or uh, around us, that there's a spaciousness around that. We're seeing that emotion uh, and, and seeing it within and feeling it within its context. So that's the essence of responsivity is um, that spaciousness that says, "Oh, that's a strong one. <laughs> what do I do with this? Or like, hmm, I really didn't want that to happen." <laughs> This is, the, this is the I didn't want that to happen feeling. Mm. This is what I really don't like this. <laughs> uh, or this is the I don't know what to do with this person. That This person is, is having a breakdown in my company. This is the uncomfortable I don't know what to do with this feeling. So that it's, that, that it's not, a, uh, again to reiterate, it's not a shutting our heart down. It's not building a wall between us and, and the other. It's an openness to what's there, but a non-entanglement with it. So it's an unentangled participation in in that experience. So there's a, there's an engagement, but a, 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 there's a participation, but not uh, without uh, not with any entangled uh, or uh, distorted, contorted quality. Now the um, the question then comes up, as you know, some people. Walking up and asking earlier, um, uh, just in individual conversations, about how do we decide what's the right thing to do? This is the the big issue, really. Okay, so how do we decide? How do we know what's the right thing? Or earlier today, our friend down here was asking about how do we um, how do we know what to do or what's the right thing to do? Well, uh, like like actually, (laughs) the right the right thing. (laughs) is a really dangerous concept. Mm. Just the, the way it's phrased, the right thing, even though that, I think it was Spike Lee made that movie, Do the Right Thing. Yeah. <laughs> right, Spike Lee? Yeah. Yeah. Do the right thing. So the right, but just to call it the right thing, then we jump into uh, the presumption that there is a right, a right thing for me to do. There's a path in life that I'm supposed to be following. The it's meant to be delusion. <laughs> um, that uh, I would like to suggest that there is no right thing, yeah, sure. and that the the right, or rather, that the right thing changes second by second, moment by moment, and that what the right thing to do is entirely dependent on um, the uh, uh, like a mindful attunement to the present moment. Uh, it's really interesting when when uh, say the the, uh, the prayer wheel. Uh, Going up to the, the top part of the, the property here. Now it has, uh, the eightfold path is listed as uh, wise view, wise attention, wise speech. Um, because uh, translating samma as right felt a little bit politically incorrect. You know, I, mean, I wasn't in on, on the prayer wheel design. <laughs> but, it's, it, but it doesn't mean, samma doesn't mean wise in, in essence but uh, you know in, in our kind of egalitarian bay area sort of liberal liberal lefty <laughs> eco-friendly ways of thinking you know but right and wrong ooh it's a bit non-pc right it's a bit you know right and wrong ooh that's that's kind of violent patriarchal attitudinal take that
1: uh, back to england <laughs>
0: So we don't like right and wrong because we don't want to judge. We don't want to to make people feel that that there's a a right and a wrong. So saying the classical translation of Samaditi, Samma, Sankapo, and so on, the Eightfold Path, right view, right intention, uh, right uh, speech, right action, right livelihood, and so on. And so that when Spirit Rock was making the prayer wheel, whoever did the prayer wheel, they sort of shivered at that idea of of right because it was a bit oppressive. So it's wise view and wise, uh, wise thought and so on. Now, what's interesting is that the sammā uh, of, the, of the Eightfold Path, each one is, right, you know, is ditti right view, sammā sankapo, right intention or right resolution, sammā right speech and so on. That right is not the right that is opposed to wrong. That sammā doesn't really mean that kind of rightness. It means right, as in upright. Mm-hmm. That this has fallen over. Now it's righted. Mm. It's that kind of a right. It means balanced, mm. and that samar is actually a musical term. It means attuned. So when the strings of a vena, of a of a, a lute are sama then they're in tune. That's the rightness of samma, of right view. It means attuned view, attuned uh, intention, attuned speech, which makes it a different, tells a different story. It's a whole different quality. Yeah. So that when it's like doing the right thing, is to do with doing, doing the, the righted, <laughs> doing that which is righted, doing that which is attuned that which is in tune with the present moment. So in terms of, I'm right, <laughs> if, we, if we take that in that, this respect, it you know, means rather than I'm correct and you're incorrect, the, the kind of rightness that we really want to aim for is attuned. That, uh, we, that being attuned to the situation, being attuned to what is needed in, in any one particular moment, that's going to be the, the, the thing that is most beneficial for us and those that we, that we live with and how to handle emotional conflicts or judgments or, or opinions. How uh, we can attune our point of view with the bigger picture. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So that uh, with, with this uh, understanding... Um, of attunement, this is really the, the essence of, of mindfulness and uh, sati sampajanya, mindfulness and clear comprehension, satipanya, mindfulness and wisdom, is that attuning. So that depends a lot on, on a listening, like uh, being open to, to what we uh, are experiencing, feeling within ourselves or receiving from outside, and then uh, uh, making space for that. The, um, the, the basic guide for for action then in terms of of how, how do we adapt how do we know what that that attuned thing is um, as I said a lot of it depends on on mindfulness and paying attention but uh, also the idea of, of the of the right thing like is there some special thing I should be some special path I should be following or the right meditation method what i like to to uh, to st- to point to as being this, uh, the uh, essential element of this kind of attunement. is not that like when we're faced with a decision or in a situation, what should I do? To, uh, to recognize, well, we have an infinity of choices in any one moment. Um, now, some choices we make lead to a painful result. Some of them lead to a neutral result. Some lead to a pleasant result. Now, if we make a choice that leads to a painful result, it can be that even though it's painful, we, we learn a lot from it, right? It can be uh, something that, that we learn from. Um, or it can be something that we don't learn from. It's just painful. <laughs> <laughs> Similarly, we can have a pleasant result, but depending on how we handle it, how we pick it up, that, that pleasant result, that success or that goodness, um, we can take that goodness and make a monster out of it. And it, that, that goodness or that success or that, that pleasant result can be something that just brings a lot more difficulty for us, right? when you got that promotion <laughs> when you got that raise when that uh, when that's, that person praised you or uh, you you, know, you got you got that, that award or um, that, that beautiful meditation sitting it's like oh wow that was so great wow this meditation this is incredible sign me up and then the 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 the, the, the feasting the relishing of that one beautiful state then can become a cause for deep depression and disappointment for the next 10 years <laughs> where you're trying to get back to that blues, beautiful, blissful thing that happened during your first sitting because of wrongly grasping a pleasant, a pleasant result. So that uh, rather than thinking in terms of the right thing and the wrong thing, uh, yeah, another aspect of this is we, we make the, the, the choices that we, uh, in, uh, based on that kind of attunement, as best we can, but then rather than thinking there's some sort of mysterious pattern that's already laid out for us that we're trying to find like some sort of um, wire buried in the ground that we're finding with a metal detector. Those of you on the maintenance crew will (laughs) uh, understand. That rather than that, we're, we're saying, okay, we make our choices and then see what happens. And then if there's a pleasant result, then okay, well, that seemed to work well. Now, how do I pick this up? without causing more trouble for myself or others? How can I take this goodness, this, this sweetness, and, make, uh, and use it well? If things go badly or there's a painful result, okay, what can I learn from this? What can this painful, this painful result teach me? Uh, what can I learn from this? What does this say about where to go in the future? So that whether the, the results of our choices, whether we should have, um, when someone uh, is uh, attacking us or we are um, critical of, uh, of someone's behavior, we, we see that, okay, we uh, we stayed quiet. Well, what was the result of that? And then we see, we, we know for ourselves. Or that we, we get fierce <laughs> with someone. Okay, what's the result of that? How did that work? And then whatever the results are, we, we, we watch, we learn, we plow that back into our experience and let that guide us for the future. Does that make sense? So then the basic, uh, the last thing I'd like to say before opening things up for some more questions is then as a, uh, uh, if you want a bit more specificity <laughs> about what to do <laughs> or how to choose then the five precepts are the, are the basic format for human conduct of to not take life not, don't kill anything for its own good <laughs> 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 to, to not steal uh, or, or misappropriate other people's property or things that don't belong to you. Mm. To not engage in sexual misconduct. Uh, to to be respectful towards your own relationships and the relationships that others are committed to that you're uh, you're encountering or that you're you're spending time with. To and uh, not to not lie or deceive or use harsh or or uh, false speech in any way. And to avoid intoxicants. Uh, that that uh, cause confusion. Five precepts, basic format for a, for a, a, a peaceful and contented life. So that sets out a, 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 a clear parameters that gives you a, like a, a broad framework. But then within that, within the the five precepts, then to to use this kind of exploratory approach and ways of handling the uh, the perspectives that we have, the, the opinions and views that arise within us, the way we see uh, human situations, and then uh, judging and seeing for, for ourselves. And then also when we look at the results of our actions, then over and over again what, we'll, what we, we find is the more that we come from a responsive rather than a reactive place, then magically... <laughs> We feel more at ease and content. The people around us tend to be happier and, and more content. <coughs> and and uh, we find that life has a, a very fluid and, and open quality to it. I remember ye- uh, years ago, I met this, uh, this uh, woman who was a, a Wall Street lawyer. Um, and she'd, she'd only started practicing meditation a, f- uh, a few years before. and. So she was, uh, It was fairly new, uh, like maybe you know, four or five, half a dozen years before. And she's saying, like, "Yeah, it's so incredible. You know, my life up until the time I started to practice meditation, it was just like one conflict. I was like head to head, yeah, you know, day after day. It was just bam, bam, bam. You know, head to head with life and other people. And it was just life was one one ongoing um, struggle. And ever since I started to meditate, it's just." yeah you know, the, uh, the my relationships are so much more easeful, and the kind of working situation is so much more comfortable and content. You know, I'm still working for the same company I live with the same people it's, it's incredible, it's amazing and the the tone of it being this magical visitation has come upon my life. <laughs> <coughs> this strange, miraculous presence of uh, you know benign <laughs> the goddess of non-conflict has <laughs> has taken over my world or is, is now governing my life and uh, with the idea that it was some sort of magical thing. And I said, you know, this isn't really very magical. It's more like <coughs> if uh, you were going at life like you, you, uh, you want to get from one room to the other and you're smashing yourself into the wall. And you're, <laughs> and you're beating your head against the, the, the wall and getting concussion and, <coughs> and bruising and discomfort. And then suddenly you, you, you notice that it's much easier to go through the doorway.
1: <laughs>
0: you just walk up to the door, turn the handle and walk through. It's like, wow, that's not magic. <laughs> It's just noticing where the gaps are and aiming for them rather than just putting your head down and, and just blasting away and just just keep pushing until the, the wall breaks or you, know, or, or you fall down unconscious. And, so, so, and uh, I think she was a little bit startled <laughs> because she had this, uh, internal, uh, this internal story about how magical things were. But often it's like that. You know, when we are just, op- just applying plain, ordinary mindfulness, and activating this capacity to be spacious, to see things in context, then things open up, and your life is a lot more easeful, and we can find our ways to deal with the the conflicts and difficulties and the intractable situations, the impossible uh, issues that we can be faced with. Um, We find ways to work with them that that surprise us, uh, and can seem to be miraculous, but it's, it's often just allowing more spaciousness and, and a quality of listening into the mixture so I'd like to open things up for any more uh, questions or dialogue that um, things that uh, have come up that uh, anyone would like to ask about there's a hand down there it's a woman with a black shawl
2: I was curious about the part about um, the pressurized alienation that you talked about and Mm -hmm. the pressurizing of the heart. And I understood the the alienation part and the separateness, but I wanted to hear more about what's meant by and how that pressurizes the heart or how the process of conceptual proliferation leads to that.
0: Uh, Well, it's it's something to do with the... uh, essentially strengthening the, f- the sense of I. It's like inflating the feeling of I and me and mine. And the stronger and more inflated, the more real that sense of, of self becomes. Then that creates the feeling of alienation. And the more that the sense of self is let go of, then, uh, then the less there is that, uh, that quality of, of separation and alienation. Um, and that the and in the causes of of conflict, because the, the the less of a, a fixed and solid me there is, then less there is a created the uh, the feeling of a of a, a a world out there and the other, and so then the tension of um, of longing to get something from the other or being in in conflict with the other, so it, that creates a, the tension that because. There isn't really a subject object separation. Therefore, it's felt as a tension. That something is out of order. It's like it's not the mind is hanging on to a, a fabricated perception that doesn't match the actuality. Therefore, there's a a feeling of tension there. Does that make sense? That it, it's a uh, because there isn't really, I would say. Uh, a separate me that's completely independent from, from you or the rest of the world, that's that's not the reality. Yeah. So the mind that's hanging on to that which is not real, it's like trying to hold a uh, an illusion together in the face of a different set of facts. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's like a, um, a non-sustainable picture of the world. It, it does, doesn't apply. The world doesn't work in that way. Two plus two does not equal five. But then, the the more that we hang on to a sense of self, and and make, and the more we feel that is solid, then, I mean, it's kind of obvious that that alienation, that loneliness, comes from that, the the inflation of the feeling of I. And the more that's seen as being transparent, that the ego and the sense of self is a convenient fiction that we use to get through life and get our social security. Yeah, number uh, <laughs> probably uh, assigned and so on. It's a it's a, a useful fiction, but we see it just as that. Then that 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 takes away the the this rift of of self and other, and then the, that sense of stress or tension between them. The the actual wording of that last section. I'll just read that again. I think I read it this morning, but it's just. It's a helpful little phrase to ponder. With such conceptual proliferation as the source, the heart is beset by mental perceptions and notions characterized by the prolific tendency with respect to past, future, and present forms. And uh, when that comes to an end, then this is the end of resorting to weapons, quarrels, brawls, disputes, recrimination, malice, and false speech. Here, these harmful unwholesome states cease without remainder. <coughs> so that that um, beset by mental, by perceptions and notions characterized by the prolific tendency. So that beset is not a word we use often. <laughs> it's a, but it's, it's got that quality of, like, you know, surrounded by um, <laughs> aggressive and uh, unwelcome forces, you know, the, the wolves at the door uh, beset by problems or surrounded by. So as that uh, and the more that we invest in a sense of self, we think, well, I just need to get tighter. I just need to be stronger. I just need to protect myself more so that then if we react to that, that feeling of, of pressure or being beset by uh, the world and its problems and all we try to do is tighten up <laughs> Protect ourselves more. You know, we get more um, anxious within ourselves. We get more um, closed-circuit TV cameras to protect our home, <laughs> more insurance, yeah. and uh, we just get more miserable. Yeah. Yeah. and that uh, it's the protection is is being sought for because of the feeling of of fear, and that it's oftentimes not realizing that we can get to the very source of that fear and look, well, what's, who's afraid and what's there to be afraid of? And looking at that, what, what is happening within us, the rea- reaction that's happening within us that creates the causes of that, that fear. And then letting go of the sense of self, self-concern, and realizing that as that is let go of and is seen through, then more and more there's, there's that recognition of in, who's afraid and what's there to be afraid of you know all dhammas are not self okay maybe uh, this one down here in the front
2: thank you uh, so you're saying uh, so, so the ob, I mean the real object of the whole practice is to have no identification with self is that what you're it, that's what that's basically the bottom line?
0: <laughs> Ideally. It's, it's, it's to do with seeing that the, the feeling of self, like saying, I am Ajahn Amaro. As long as I know that's a convenient fiction, we're fine. To my sisters, I am not Ajahn Amaro. I'm their little brother. You know, they know what to write on the outside of the envelope when they send me a, a card. But I'm, I'm not Ajahn Amaro to them. They, you know, they're my big sisters. You know, they—they they knew a different me. But the, to to the most of the world, that's a con, it's a convenient handle to use. So, uh, to say I don't want to have any kind of name, I'll be like Prince or the artist, <laughs> formerly known as Prince. You know, like, then you get this incredibly long handle <laughs> that everyone has to kind of trip over to, in order to to refer to you. So it's a convenient thing to get through life with, but. It, the more completely transparent that is, then the more uh, free we are from suffering. But the, uh, another of the uh, useful, by the way, we bought many copies of this tome, so please uh, help yourself to, those of you who haven't got a copy, please help yourself if you like. The Island. So this is a, um, from uh, the, the Buddha. He says, "I am." The "I am" is a conceiving. Uh, conceiving is a disease. Conceiving is a tumor, a barb, like a, 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 a sharpened arrow. By overcoming all conceivings, bhikkhu, one is called a sage at peace. And the sage at peace is not born, does not age, does not die. They are not shaken and are not agitated. For there is nothing present in them by which they might be born, not being born, how could they, how could they age? not aging, how could they die? not dying, how could they be shaken? not being shaken? how could they be agitated?
2: Yeah. I, I, I get that, <laughs> but Great. I also I mean I don't get it get it but, but I, mm, well, not that way, but I also I mean this is another one of those how-to questions you know it's what you we live in this world and we have we identify you know we have our social security number and we have our brothers and sisters that's another one of those mm-hmm. how to find that way you know to not buy into that mm-hmm. total picture of of how we present ourselves of mm-hmm. how we're seen mm-hmm. it's pretty tricky isn't it
0: damn right <laughs> 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 yeah, i think you you uh, you answered that yeah you know the the buddha said this what, what one's trying to do in terms of spiritual practice. He, says, he said, to, li- to truly liberate the heart, this is, this is the most difficult thing a human being can undertake. Mm. So, this is spectacular that so many people want to spend their entire Saturday doing what is vir- virtually impossible.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> isn't it great that we, we all want to spend so much time doing this? Because it's also the only real thing you can do. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, which is, I know, a bit of a sweeping statement, but it's, I obviously I'm biased, but, <laughs> but I, I think I believe it's true, and it's it's a uh, it's tr- it's also interesting that after his enlightenment, the first thought the Buddha had was there's no point trying to explain this to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not a, that's not a small thing, that he thought there's no one that is going to ever and how on earth do you explain this? Because it's not, it's not saying yes to everything, but it's not saying no to everything either. But there's no entanglement with anything. How do you, how do you even talk about that? What, what's the language for that? And so he, he's the, the fact that the Buddha could not only teach it to people within his own lifetime, but two and a half thousand years later was still fruitfully using... <laughs> The teachings he put together to try and explain the inexplicable— incredible, amazing. So, and the, particularly the conundrum of of self is is partic- is uh, so tricky because it's such an assumed reality. I think someone earlier today was asking me about the question of free will. Do we have free will? This is a you know, four hundred years of the Western philosophy has been struggling. You know, are things you know, did predetermined, or do we have free will? Uh, and the the Buddha's approach was was completely different. He said, "Well, who is there to have free will or not? Yeah, who is it that's deciding?" Turning the attention back on the presumptions about the agent, as and so that he says, rather than trying to figure out that whether m- me, whether the, the me or the I, can truly decide anything from principles. So, what's the, What's this me? What is that? Is that genuinely an individual, separate entity? Oh, really? That's interesting. <laughs> and then you're using the meditation to then turn the, the attention back onto that self-feeling, and, and then to explore it and uh, to see. Oh, there is there is no thing there. It's uh, it's like a, a conjuring trick, you know, these different elements put together uh, that, that create a, a, an illusion. It's like a few lines on a piece of paper and suddenly, oh, look, it's a horse. <laughs> and, and then, oh, look at that. It's a person. And that we, we forget that that person is a fabricated reality. The word per- person comes from the Latin persona, which is a mask. Per means through. Sona is a sound. It's like what the sound goes through. So the persona is our mask to the world. So the uh, uh, seeing that individual identity as a uh, as a, a mask as a convenient fiction, and but yet still being able to function in the world. That's that's an incredible manoeuvre. <laughs> Because we need to keep track of not just the things that we have been addressing today, like the elements of conflict, but also pleasant experiences. Now I talked a little bit about you know, being excited or enthusiastic when when something happens that really pleases you. To have the presence of mind to say, "Oh, I really liked that." <laughs> Feel the glow. Mm. <laughs> I really like that one <laughs> <laughs> and to be able to, to recognize that that's just liking. In essence that's no difference from a pain in your knee. It's just a feeling. It's just the endorphin flush. <laughs> that's what it's like as the, the pleasure center going off rather than the, the pain center. And so that you're, you're developing along with these say reactions about conflict. You're you're learning to recognise these, like the. In in a a lot of it's to do with perspective and space around our instinctual nature, like the the reptile brain, of territory, procreation, aggression, um, feeding, you know all of those things that the precepts relate to. Precepts is actually the same. It's about violence, it's about property, it's about sexuality, it's about communication, you know, food, territory. So the precepts are there to to create space around those instinctual reactions. So to to feel the reactions of the amygdala, you know, the reptile brain that like want.
1: <laughs> Mine.
0: <laughs> Big
1: <laughs>
0: Run. <laughs> kill. Yeah, like there's a. It's getting some perspective around those sort of nonverbal reactive things in, uh, of our nature, and say, oh yeah, that's the urge to kill. <laughs> <laughs> or you know, mother's protection for you know, in the in the Metasuit, is that like even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child. Yeah. You know, some of the most violent activities in nature are a, a mother protecting her offspring. You know, that, uh, the, in a, as, as I understand in the, the animal world, that when, when males fight, they're usually just competing for a place in the hierarchy, and they usually kind of leave a few scars and then beat each other up and then back off. When a, when a, a female is protecting her cubs, she'll kill. It's like, no, you are dead. Like. <laughs> This isn't just for show. This isn't just, you know, this is this is this is my babies, and and then the the oppressor will, will she'll kill him far more violently than the, the male bravado. So these are powerful forces, and this kind of practice is is getting a perspective around that activity of these root instinctual things, and then the the feeling of self gets embedded in that very very quickly, like, I'm angry, or I want, I'm, I'm lustful, I've got to have. And so seeing the, the, through the sense of self is, is, and being able to experience those qualities directly is to be able to say, oh no, this is, just, this is just defensiveness, or this is just aggression, or this is, this is just fear. It's not a personal problem. It's not mine. It's just a pattern of nature. So there's an expansiveness, a spaciousness that, that is being allowed around those reactions. And a lot of what allows it is, is letting go of the sense of self. The longer it's mine and me and who, what I am, then there's no space there. Okay, Jennifer. Yeah. Or were you just stretching? I
2: oh, know. <laughs> My reptilian brain... Mother protection thing makes me want to <laughs> hire lawyers. Um, I uh, want to get back to the um, the deciding line of when to act and knowing that you're responding and not reacting in that amygdala. Let's hire lawyers place. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I I'm kind of relating it also to um, the sense of. Um wanting justice, mm-hmm. and that um, it's a tough one as an activist who w- wants justice and wants to fight for justice. How do you step back out
0: into the response place mindfully <sighs> <laughs> 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 I hate that yeah the uh, well it's tr- in a way it's it's it was a, it was a setup really but <laughs> but um. Yeah, that, that's, that's it, in a sense, is recognizing, okay, there's a feeling that like we need justice here. Now, where am I coming from in that? Where, and just turning that reflective quality inwards and saying, okay, this seems unfair and, and not right. Now, how am I holding that? Where, where is that in my heart? Where's this coming from? Is this, coming, is this genuinely coming from a, a sense of wanting to benefit the other as well as myself? Is there a, an urge to punish? What's there? What's here? And, and just trying to be as, as clear and as honest as we can be. Like say, yeah, I want him to suffer. <laughs> but even if you can't just, you can't just switch that off, you can't just decide, oh, I won't feel like that, the bastard. You know? <laughs> but he does need to be punished. You know, it's, okay, that's what, I, that's what the feeling that's arising, that's where, it, that's where it's coming from. Okay, duly noted. And then seeing that that's where it's coming from, then don't trust it. Because you can't just decide, oh, I won't feel angry. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll, I'll, stop being, uh, I'll stop being afraid. I've had it with fear. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the one that does the deciding is not working for the same company as the <laughs> the one that's doing the uh, the fearing. It's like, yeah, the like the systems analyst is not in discussion with the the tyrannosaurus. <laughs> Different language. So, but to acknowledge that and say, well, that I, that as close as I can get is recognizing. I want to punish the bastard. That's what I'm feeling. Okay. And to know that that's what's there, like uh, with bringing that quality of awareness to the feeling in the body, it's exactly the same thing. It's like, Or, or say it with a, a painful childhood memory. Like I was saying, bring up a a memory of being, being uh, attacked or criticized. You know, maybe some memory is so painful and so intense that, you, you, you can't really get anywhere near it. But just that, uh, I was saying to someone earlier today, just even to say, whoa, it's, this is as close to the fire as I can get. And, the, and just to know oh, that, that's, that's duly noted. This is really intense. I can't, I can't get any objectivity because it's such a strong feeling. But that, the very awareness of, this is as close as I can get that that itself is part of the, the balancing, that's part of the writing process. That's bringing things in, into an attuned quality. And so then, draw upon your friends and say, um, I could use some help here because what I'm feeling is, you know, <laughs> I, I, I think we need to do something about this situation, but I can't get clear enough in my mind because I hate this guy. <laughs> so, can you give me some advice about what what would be a good way forward because uh, I'm not trusting my judgment? We can do that. And that's, that's not a weakness, that's wisdom. And just to draw in your friends who haven't got such a a loaded view or a a, a biased perspective and say, okay, I want to call in the lawyers, <laughs> I want to see this guy suffered, you yeah, know, suffering. And uh, but uh... Uh, the, here's the situation, A, B, C, D, 1, 2, 3 yeah. what do you think? so that you'd, you're you, you know, you're recognizing your own deludedness but you're not just saying therefore I should be passive or, or just let things run but drawing upon your reliable friends you know, you know, that, can, that can help that's what I would do Get them to call the (laughs) (laughs)
1: lawyer. Gonna miss you. Um,
2: In the same line, a little bit. uh, You see, let's say someone criticizes somebody. I guess my question is uh, is with repetition. Um, my way, let's say, I can understand from, you know, th- what I learned today that, okay, if, if I get criticized, no reaction, just try to stay clear. But if every time I am... With that person, and there's criticism. So that means I'm exposing myself to that process. I'm not in for that. (laughs) (laughs) So I have what I have done is listening to an advice that was given to me, which is, well, if someone criticizes you, criticizes you and it sounds true to you, it resonates true to you, Mm -hmm. then you want to bless the person because they gave you a jewel, Mm -hmm. a flaw that you need to improve on. But if it doesn't resonate true, then you just learn about the person.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: But then I do this with the person
0: (laughs) that's that's something extra
2: (laughs) okay that's that because I do this a lot (laughs) meaning I see a lot of unskillful actions and I just I don't want that I don't want that and what I hear is like oh be with what is Chantal you know stay open and I'm sorry, it's not <laughs> flying. I have a hard time with that, mm-hmm. so uh, it's extra, so this is where the there's a glitch there, right?
0: I would say, yeah, okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just said it
2: yeah well i'm I'm checking with <laughs> you because no, I, I yeah. know i when you were describing the isolation and all that hmm. i I know it's coming with that. Yeah. But then I don't want to be exposed to, to unskillful, maybe I'm, my practice is not strong enough.
0: Well, it's finding that, that line between, um, I hear what you're saying, and it's yours. Because the very fact that you have to f- flick them away means that you've actually taken hold of it. if uh, that's how that's what I'm hearing, so that if uh, if someone's say making some criticism and you just want to brush them off and because uh, I'm not saying yes, you're sort of passive and you go along with what everyone says, but it's more like that you're not trying to agree, just agree with them, but that very sense of if i've got to push you away, that means that you've already i've already taken hold of it. Well, so the, the it's a refinement of practice to say, okay, well this person's got a problem every time they they see me they're complaining about about such and such. Um, and if we really let that go, then it's not bothersome to us. That he and it arouses a quality of compassion. Like poor guy. He just can't he just can't drop this thing, and it somehow I, I, you know, I come through the door and it gets pasted on me. But it, it, he really, he's got a, he's got a, a difficult issue there that he's carrying around. Poor guy. So it turns into a quality of compassion for the other person's sort of tight miserable state, um, and so that it's we don't, rather than feeling like we've got to push them away, what arises is, is a, a, a quality of caring you're not just seeing them in terms of what they're putting out to you, but you're, you're seeing uh, or receiving them in a, in a broader way. I don't know if that helps.
2: It does. It's just that uh, I have in mind the concept of noble friendship. And I find noble friends very hard to find.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and and, you. and <laughs>
2: I keep looking
0: Well, you know, sometimes if people, if someone's being very critical, and that, uh, and this, this is, is something that, in terms of the right thing and the, the right time and place, sometimes it, the, when the right, the, the right moment comes, and you, when we recognize, gee, this guy is in such a miserable state, just, he just criticizes and complains. How painful for him, Then to just be able to say, "Do you realize that you've just been <laughs> criticizing this person and this person, this person, this person. Yeah, the, do, you, do you realize how painful that, that, uh, that must be, or that you're, you're creating that kind of negativity? Because that, that's what I'm hearing. And some, there can, sometimes there can be a moment of like, do you realize that you're just every time you see me you're complaining about this and this and this? Um, doesn't that amount of negativity seem painful to you? And giving a very direct feedback. Maybe a moment like that never arises. But sometimes, once in a while, that can, that can happen and you can... And so the, the quality of compassion I- inspires us or, or encourages us to try and communicate our perception of it not trying to get even with the person or to punish them or to push them away but coming from a genuine place of oh, I care about you Gee, what, an, what an uncomfortable place your mind must be in that, that you just see all these things to criticize that's, and that's what you're, you choose to speak about how painful and if no moment opens up where that's sayable then fine you just leave it alone but if a moment comes, uh, when that's a suitable thing, then that's, that's a kindness to, to offer that kind of a, a reflection. Say, do, do you realize that whenever you see me, you say, <laughs> this is what you say? And uh, if you're not trying to get even or set them straight, if you wait until it's genuinely for their benefit, then it gets through. Even if the, at the moment that you say something like that, they, they might get defensive or brush you off. If you're coming from a genuine kindness, at some unguarded moment, they're going to realize, damn it, Chantal was right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my experience of it. And sometimes it can be years later. Years and years later. They, you know, you, every, every so often, you, know, you get this kind of a, a, a card from someone saying, you probably don't remember this. <laughs> but, you know, seven years ago, or during this retreat, you know, I said this to you, and uh, you know, this is, in the way you responded, I got very angry and upset, and uh, I left the retreat. But I, I haven't forgotten. You know? <laughs> and so I want to say, thank you for saying that. You know, so it can be, years later. But if we, if we are... If we're patient and we wait for that that moment and see that we're it's genuinely for the benefit of the other, then that's the best we can do with a situation like that. Okay, one more. The fellow with the gray shirt there.
3: Uh, hi. Um, I enjoy the teachings of... Uh, of Of Buddhism and um, I try to practice it, and I come I c- kind of come to some uh, kind of a wall with something that something you know that we talk about the uh, the ending of uh, desire is enlightenment and you know duality don 't live in, um, in, in the world of duality the opposites and um, uh, there's some more I think death and don't look at good and evil. Look at it in in a different way, and so uh, how do we apply that
0: to the real world? Because <laughs> well, in this it, country, it, you drive on the right. <laughs> <laughs> so, how,
3: how do I go to my job or something, or and, you know, somewhere where I can just utilize that in the real world, and, and not in the nature where it's it's a little bit more, uh, you know, accept easier. Let's use that word.
0: Well, in a, in a sense, it's just as I, I've been saying. You, if you recognise those sort of structures, that driving on the right-hand side is not an absolute good. It's just the conventions of what you do in the United States, and that um, the, if you recognise that that you're um, the more you believe in a in a desire, let's say that if you get this promotion or you you get this. Um, that this uh, dinner at this particular restaurant that's costing you three hundred bucks is going to make you really happy, then then you'll recognize that the disappointment <laughs> is exactly proportional to the mm. to mm-hmm. the expectation, and that uh, by seeing that oh yeah, that was the desire, mm-hmm. and then this is the this is the result of it. It didn't make me happy. so that you're not just trying to be totally desireless or, or, or switching yourself off as a personality, you're, you're seeing that those, um, if we believe in those things as absolute truths, then we create pro- problems for ourselves. If we, if we feel angry towards someone, if we say, if that person do- didn't exist, I would be happy. And then you, you don't have to look at that for very long to realize, well, you might find something else to get upset about. <laughs> But, in okay. that moment of being really annoyed, that's what we feel. Okay. so it's it's functioning in the the so-called real world is uh, say, recognizing those different perceptions, mm-hmm. different opinions, mm-hmm. the conventions that we use, like driving on the left or the right, yeah you know, what is something worth? that okay. those are just society's fictions that we we use to to get through a day and to function as a human human group, okay and then the if we hold them lightly in that way, mm-hmm. then you know, our, our relationship, in a way, it's, it's mysterious because if we loosen our grip on the world, rather than it becoming, you know, in a sense, less real, we find ourselves more totally at home with it. Okay. Okay. And that, you know, and loving something is like if you love the world completely, you let go of it. Mm-hmm. Because the more tightly you hold on to it you want to keep it and, and own it, mm-hmm. then the more alienation we create between ourselves and it. Mm-hmm. So that it's uh, this ideas of, or principles of letting go or non-attachment. You're not trying to nullify your life and your feelings.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but it's a mysterious way. When you let go of the world, you find yourself suddenly at home in it.
3: Okay. Okay. So you still have all these desires in it. Stuff ambitions, but don't just grasp on. Don't make it. What like you're saying that, that's, the,
0: thats the play of the human drama.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, like just, like just like today, I got a, a message from um, Sarah. That's, what was it? The um, uh, oh, yesterday saying? Oh, two hundred and thirty-three people have signed up for your day long tomorrow. So yeah, I mean, I'm not into um, the kind of league tables of successful dharma teacher competitions but then there, I, something goes oh 233 people wow that's a lot <laughs> I mean on one level I don't care I'd be happy to teach lead a day long for six people but there's the, in the conditioning of, of making teachings available for the, for the public and then you know, more than a couple of hundred people show up That there's, there's something that says oh scored a point you know it's totally ridiculous on one <laughs> level but on a, just mm-hmm. on the, the level of, of human functions that those are the ways that we get conditioned to mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything really mm-hmm. but it's just oh look you know my uh, it's like you know your team wins when the chelsea right. hits yeah, seven yeah. goals yeah. against aston villa uh-huh. i mean in the great scheme of things mm-hmm. doesn't really matter but uh, yeah something something in I can remember a childhood of uh, <laughs> allegiance to Chelsea and think wow, seven one yeah. that was great right. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't really matter <laughs> but there, but recognizing there are those feelings and uh that when you get promoted uh-huh. there's a flush of of success when you get laid off, mm-hmm. there's a heartbreak mm-hmm. or resentment mm-hmm. you know? um, uh when you cook a dinner, and then someone says, is it supposed to taste like this?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> there, there's, there's, there's a feeling. <laughs> so, you, you know, you, we're recognizing these human, the flow of human qualities. Mm-hmm. You're not just trying to nullify that or switch that off. Mm-hmm. But you're just saying, oh, look at that. Isn't that, isn't that ridiculous? Mm-hmm. You know, that, uh, that the... Uh, the feeling of happiness when everyone shows up, or the feeling of pain when people start leaving or falling asleep. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. But then just seeing, oh look at that! Look. It's just the flow of the the, the human kind of okay. uh, comedy, stroke, tragedy. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just like this, and then seeing that that's that's the uh, the pattern of our lives. And then it's learning what we can from that, from that, from that flow of, of uh, events and feelings. Thank you. OK, so maybe we can uh, call a close there for the day. Maybe you'll just sit for a, a minute, and then uh, we'll uh, share the blessings of the event.
4: Now let us chant the verses of sharing and aspiration. Through the goodness that arises from my practice, may my spiritual teachers and guides of great virtue, my mother, my father, and my relatives, the sun and the moon, and all virtuous leaders of the world. May the highest gods and evil forces, celestial beings, guardian spirits of the earth, and the Lord of death, may those who are friendly, indifferent or hostile, May all beings receive the blessings of my life. May they soon attain the threefold bliss and realize the deathless. Through the goodness that arises from my practice and through this act of sharing, may all desires and attachments quickly cease. And all harmful states of mind. Until I realize Nibbana. In every kind of birth. May I have an upright mind. With mindfulness and wisdom. Austerity and vigor. May the forces of delusion not take hold. Nor weaken my resolve. The Buddha is my excellent refuge. Unsurpassed is the protection of the Dhamma. The solitary Buddha is my noble Lord. The Sangha is my supreme support. Through the supreme power of all these, may darkness and delusion be dispelled. So, our um,
0: trusty stores monk at Abhayagiri loaded our van with gigantic quantities of literature, CDs, books. So, please help yourself to anything that's there. You can't be greedy with Dharma. So, one of the few instances where more is better. So, do help yourself to whatever you like or take things away for your friends. Um, So, please uh, uh, feast freely. Um, Next Tuesday, I uh, I should be in England. but uh, Ajahn Pasna will be leading the first Tuesday night at uh, Berkeley. So those of you who are, like to go along to that. And then um, the, uh, as uh, Sarah mentioned, that the next day long is in, in uh, June. I'll be leaving, And that will, is planned to be my last um, public uh, event uh, here at Spirit Rock. But there will be a first Tuesday of July I should be down in Berkeley. Um, and then I may mean to leave the country about July the 20th. So uh, until then, have a nice life. Go ahead.